Thank you for choosing this podcast from the Calling Community Church. Our mission is to create space for all people, to experience the compassionate love of the Father, and to discover the calling He has for their life. Please enjoy the message today, recorded live inside the Wilson Performing Arts Auditorium at Platte County High School in Platte City, Missouri. So let's pray. So Father God, just um, just always want to come to you with uh, thanksgiving um, for who you are, for your grace and love that you provide for us, and and um, for your Son that came and walked this earth, and that we can learn about th- through the Word, and and um, that He just lived this life that that we want to live, his connection that he had with other folks, his relationships that he formed, and his vulnerability all the way to the cross. So, Father, that's what we ask for, like, to, to do that, even if, even if it comes to obviously taking up our own cross and, and suffering. But help us to be real. Help us to connect with each other. Help us to be vulnerable, and uh, not just on Sundays, but every day of the week. So we just praise you, Lord, and uh, just pray that ears would be opened, that hearts would be um, accepting of a, of a message from you, Lord, and um, just pray that, you can, that I can speak your words. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. This has face recognition, so it, it turns on when it sees my face. It's amazing. There it goes. Okay, cool. All right. So this week we are continuing our sermon um, series that Pastor Brady uh, named Going Old School for the New School Year. All right. So Pastor Brady, he, he had asked me if, um, he, he had asked me which person from the Old Testament that I would be interested in speaking about? And I said, that's a good question. Because, I mean, you look at how thick the Old Testament is and how many people that it speaks about. There's a lot of people you could talk about, right? So I asked him to let me think about it. And I got a little overwhelmed because there's, like I said, there's a lot, of, a lot to teach about. So some of the characters that crossed my mind were Adam, Noah, Moses, Samson, and so on. But I wanted to dig deeper, and I wanted to impress you guys. <laughs> so what does a good new associate pastor do to choose who to preach about? He Googles Old Testament Bible characters. I was expecting a lot more laughter than that. So I came across a list, and it mainly comprised about the folks that I had already thought about. And then I came across a, a lady named Deborah. And so I thought, all right, the name sounds familiar. So I looked her up. She's in Judges chapter 4. And I read about her. And I thought, okay, this story sounds familiar. And after reading it, I thought, yeah, that'll preach. 
not, I mean, really, anything out of the Bible will preach. And so, after reading this, I thought, okay, I'll share this story. And um, the thought, the, the, I guess the, um, the message of the story that came to my mind was doing the right thing. And so reading about this woman from the Bible and how her leadership in doing the right thing, um, it led me to think about my wife and many women working in our schools today. So this last week, Platte County went back to school. Weston's going back to school this week, right? We've got kids that are homeschooled. And, and there's women influencing our kids. And so I thought this would be a good message for them. Now, granted, we do have men working in our schools. And they influence our kids, too. And I think you'll be blessed by this also. So that was a few weeks ago, and uh, after a lot of thoughts, of planning, and life lessons of my own, the message was really starting to change. And I started to become a bit overwhelmed with all that the Lord was downloading to me. I've had so much that I wanted to share with you all, and thoughts were beginning to overlap and chaos was beginning to ensue in my head. There were many rabbits, per se, and too many holes to chase them through. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Yeah. So Friday morning, um, Julie was at school, and, and she sent me a text to see how things were going, because Friday morning I, I got to sit down and, um, and start working on the sermon. So I shared, her, I shared with her my feelings of being overwhelmed, and, and she she, she will typically give me good advice. And her advice was to go for a short walk or a bike ride to help clear my head. Good advice. But clearly she's never been inside my head. Or else she probably wouldn't have married me. <laughs> Although she does often think or ask me what, what's going on in your head. So, But I thought, no, I don't have time for that. I'll just uh, start typing to get things that's inside my head, outside of my head. You know, I didn't have time to go for a walk or go for a bike ride. I had, I had other pastoral duties to, to do that day and had, had to be home for my kids when they got home from school. But then I thought about the story of Deborah and her orders to Barack, which we'll talk about later. And I thought, well, I better listen to the lady in my life, too. And so I went for a bike ride, and, um, which was nice. And, and, and when I came back, the Lord gave me this thought. And the thought was, was that he wasn't overwhelming me. He doesn't work like that. He provides us with what we need right when we need it. It's us that overwhelms ourselves with these grand thoughts and plans, these feelings of discontent and failures before we even begin. 
the thoughts of having to impress others or make people happy overwhelms me at times. Not to mention the enemy whispering his negativity and lies. So the bike ride helped, and uh, it helped me to slow down my mind. Helped me to reorganize my thoughts. And so here are my thoughts, okay? And they're organized in points for today's message. So pay attention to these points um, and try to find them as, as the message goes. All right, there's five of them. The first one is be obedient, follow God's lead. The second one is don't be afraid. Third one, do the right thing. The fourth one, love others. And the fifth one, be a hero. Don't try to be a hero. All right, so let's get going. So like I, like I mentioned, we'll be talking about the story of Deborah in Judges chapter 4. Uh, but first, we need to know the context of the story and how Deborah came to be. All right, so Deborah, she was an appointed judge for the people of Israel uh, during a time when they had, they had no king and everyone did what was right in their own eyes. And that can go drastically wrong, can it? So prior to this time, they had a leader named Joshua and Joshua had taken the reins as the leader of Israel uh, from Moses, Right? So in Deuteronomy 31, verse 7 and 8, that's when Moses summoned Joshua, and he said to him in the sight of all of Israel, Be strong and courageous, for you will go with, with this people into the land the Lord swore to give to their fathers. You will enable them to take possession of it. The Lord is the one who will go before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or abandon you. Do not be afraid or discouraged. So Joshua would go on to lead the Israelites through conquests and conflicts in order that they would be given their land as promised by God. So they conquered many people, and after this, they renewed their covenant with the Lord. And, and they did that. In Joshua chapter 24, verse 14 through 25. And let's read that, okay? It, it's a bit lengthy, but there's, a lot, there's obviously good stuff in here that we need to know. Okay? So Joshua chapter 24, verses 14 through 25. All right, so... Here we go. Therefore, fear the Lord. So this is Joshua speaking, okay? Therefore, fear the Lord and worship him in sincerity and truth. Get rid of all the gods your fathers worshipped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and worship the Lord. But if it doesn't please you to worship the Lord, choose for yourselves today. Which will you worship? The gods your fathers worshipped beyond the Euphrates River or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living? As for me and my family, we will worship the Lord. You guys have all heard that. The people replied, we will certainly not abandon the Lord to worship other gods. Now pay attention here, okay? As we go through here, listen to Israelite, the Israelites, okay? Listen to the response. 
all right, and count how many times they respond to this. We will certainly not abandon the Lord to worship other gods. For the Lord our God brought us and our fathers out of the land of Egypt, out of the place of slavery, and performed these great signs before our eyes. He also protected us all along the way we went and among all the peoples whose lands we traveled through. The Lord drove out before us all the peoples, including the Amorites who lived in the land. We, too, will worship the Lord because he is our God. All right? Declaration number one. We, we too, will worship the Lord because he, he is our God. But Joshua told the people, You will not be able to worship the Lord because he is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions and sins. If you abandon the Lord and worship foreign gods, he will turn against you, harm you, and completely destroy you after he has been good to you. No, the people answered Joshua. We will worship the Lord. Number two, right? So Joshua then told the people, You are witnesses against yourselves that you yourselves have chosen to worship the Lord. We are witnesses, they said. Then get rid of the foreign gods that are among you and turn your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. So the people said to Joshua, We will worship the Lord, our God, and obey him. That's three times, right? When I was reading this, it made me think of Peter. When, um, when he denied Jesus three times, right? But then, later on in John chapter 21, Jesus gives him the opportunity, opportunity to, to, to um, restore him. And Jesus asked him three times if he loved him. It felt good to think about that. It felt good to, to see how this book in the Bible that's in the Old Testament ties what I felt tied into Jesus and how he gives us these opportunities to come back to him and to be restored to him. And I just love how he reaffirms that, how he reaffirms through, throughout the Bible that his grace and his, and his love for us, for us as his children. So daily, we must commit and recommit our lives to follow him and love him. His covenant never changes as ours do. Just as Peter denied the, the Lord three times, we also deny him throughout our lives. We must recognize this and, and repent and come back to him. So that when given another opportunity to declare his lordship over us as Christ's followers... We won't deny him, but declare our love for him and say we will worship the Lord, our God, and obey him. So that was my first rabbit that I chased down a hole. So let's emerge from that hole and get back to the ancient days of Israel. So after this new covenant was made, Joshua eventually died, which then now leads us into the era of a free-for-all. Now this generation of Israelites, they are stepping away from their faith in our God who had just led their ancestors into this promised land. And they began to conform to the world and began to adopt the customs and, and the gods of the Canaanites, the same people that they had just conquered. 
Now, to put this into perspective, after Joshua and during the days of Judges, it's believed that, th- that this lasted for 300 years. Okay? So, I, you know, this happened over time. All right? And these people who are now worshiping these new gods and these, had adopted these new customs, they were forgetting what their ancestors had done and who, who they had conquered. So they had conquered these, these Canaanites, and these, the Canaanites, they were not good people. All right? these, these people had oppressed their ancestors, and they, they even sacrificed children for their gods. So they weren't good. And this new generation of Israelites were, weren't making the best choices. They did not know the Lord, and they did not remember the works that he had done for them as a nation. So they were no longer obedient, and they were definitely not following God's lead. So let's pick this up into, into Judges. So we're going to Judges chapter 2. And we're going to read uh, 14 through 19. Judges 2, 14 through 19. All right. So now, now remember, they weren't following the Lord anymore. Okay? And remember the warning that Joshua gave them that said, if you don't follow the Lord, then the Lord's going to turn on you and he's going he's gonna to <laughs> make life hard on you. All right? So chapter four, 2, uh, verse 14. The Lord's anger burned against Israel, and he handed them over to marauders, who raided them, he sold, he sold them to the enemies around them, and they could no longer resist their enemies. Whenever the Israelites went out, the Lord was against them and brought disaster on them, just as he had promised and sworn to them, so they suffered greatly. The Lord raised up judges who saved them from the power of the marauders. But they did not listen to the judges. Instead, they prostituted themselves with, with other gods, bowing down to them. They quickly turned away uh, from they, I'm sorry. They quickly turned from the way of their fathers who had walked in obedience to the Lord's commands. They did not do as their fathers did. Whenever whenever the Lord raised up a judge for the Israelites, the Lord was with him and saved the people from the power of their enemies while the judge was still alive. The Lord was moved to pity whenever they groaned because of those who were oppressing and afflicting them. Whenever the judge died, the Israelites would act even more corruptly than their fathers, following other gods to serve them and bow and worship to them. They did not turn from their evil ways or their or their I'm sorry. They did not turn from their evil ways or their obstinate ways. So like I said, this this period lasted for 300 years. The Lord would raise up a judge. The judge would, um, he would pretty much be the, the voice of reasoning, the Lord's voice of reasoning, and provide justice and righteousness for the, for the Israel people. 
So life would be orderly, and the Israelites would be given freedom from their enemies. But when the judge died, life would become chaotic again, causing the Israelites to follow other gods. So let's put this into perspective and how we can relate to this. So can you guys relate to the cycles of chaos and distress? Yeah? One person can. I know I can. And I know that there's times in our family that we get in this cycle that creates this chaos and distress. So this cycle, I don't know where it begins. It begins somewhere. But it has to do with parents feeling disrespected and kids feeling unloved which produces this chaos and whirlwind of stress and anxiety. I know we live in this world where we like to put on these masks and we like to, to make, you know, in Facebook, how we're living our best life. Oh, I'm getting off, okay, I'm getting off subject. But, but, it, but it's the truth, right? Life is real. Life is not always Perfect. If we're real with each other, we can walk life with each other and make it easier. So there are times in my life and and in our family where it gets so chaotic. Does anybody else's lives get chaotic? (laughs) That makes me feel good. But it's not about me. All right? So let's talk about this cycle. It's this cycle when parents feel disrespected and kids don't feel loved. But as parents, we can become the judge. Right? Just like in the old days when a judge was raised up to bring order. That's our job. We are to be the judge of our family. When we do this, we restore order. Instead of yelling because we're not feeling respected or yelling out of complete desperation, we need to slow down. And this is, man, this is so on, the, on me too. We need to slow down and think about what we're doing. We need to show our kids the love that they deserve. However they, whatever their love language is, we need to learn what that love language is. And we need to remind ourselves some of the same words that came from Deuteronomy 31, chapter 6, that that was spoken over Joshua. So this is right before Moses summoned Joshua. And I I just love this Bible verse. Okay, so it's Joshua 31, verse 6. And as parents, if we read this, it'll, it'll, it'll bring peace to us and it'll bring us clarity so we can lead our children the way they need to be led. And my son asked me to read this a certain way, and I'm going to do that. 
because he was listening to, me, to this as I was practicing yesterday. So, so chapter, uh, Deuteronomy 31, verse 6, okay? It says, be strong and courageous. Don't be terrified or afraid of those little rugrats. Don't be terrified or afraid of them. For the Lord your God is the one who will go with you. He will not leave you or abandon you. You see, he's put you in, in the place that you are today for a reason. Because you are the best parent that you can be to your children. Or else he wouldn't have put you there. He will give us clarity for what, what it is that we need at the exact time. Which is usually love. When we as parents are able to speak truth in love to our children, then our children will typically feel embraced and safe in that love. Which leads to respecting us as parents and as their authority. But when we start to lead with an iron fist, or when we don't lead at all, allowing them to do whatever they want, including unlimited screen time, the kids won't feel loved, creating that unwanted cycle of chaos, feelings of disrespect and feeling unloved. Does that make sense? Okay. So just as we warn our kids to follow the rules or face the consequences, the people of Israel had been warned by the angel of the Lord to not conform their lives and beliefs to the Canaanites. They were told that if they did so, that disaster would be brought onto them. So the late preacher Charles Spurgeon, he, he noted the following about this. He said, Israel forgot that warning. In certain places they said to the Canaanites, let us be neighbors, let us dwell together. Certain persons thought God's requirement was too severe, that he was, after all, a mass of mercy and that the best thing that they could do was to be kindly tolerant of these Canaanites and make the best terms they could with them. Perhaps it would be better to learn something of their civilization, their arts and sciences, their theory of religion. For we ought to have liberal views and believe that there is latent truth in all forms of worship. So Israel said, let us enter into treaties with them and live with them. They did live with them, and they fell into their ways. Tolerance led to imitation, and Israel became so vile as the heathen the Lord had condemned. Tolerance led to imitation. You see, this is why we study the Bible. This book is God-breathed and full of promises, and it is history. I don't care what anybody says. It's history. And so what, what do we do? Like, you know, what, if we, what do we do if we don't study history? What, what happens? It can repeat itself, right? And it will repeat itself. People are so afraid to talk about history because of the bad stuff that happened then. I see history repeating itself. And the, the book of Judges is a, is a perfect example of how history repeats itself. 
So if you look around in our society, and here's the deal, I don't want to dwell on this. I do not want to dwell on this, but it's, the, it's, it's, it's true. You look around in society, and you see what's going on around us. History is happening again. Tolerance is leading to imitation. This is not a political, I'm not, I'm not talking about politics, okay? But, that's not a but. Liberal views are literally being shoved down our throats everywhere we look. We have people desiring tolerance for their decisions in ways of life. And when we don't accept those decisions, we're the haters. Now, I'm not saying as Christians we should exile ourselves or those we disagree with. Because Jesus never did that. Jesus stood for truth in love. And that's what we should do. We should be obedient to the word of God. And we shouldn't be afraid while doing the right thing. By loving others right where they are. Not because of what they are doing or what they've done. But because he called us to be the light in the darkness. Because if we return wrongness with hate, then all we are seeing is darkness. Now listen to this, okay? Darkness in darkness is still darkness. But if we turn wrongness with truth and love, then darkness is being overcome by light. So as I was writing this sermon, another rabbit crossed my path. And I received a text message from a friend. Who I had invited to come to visit our church. So this is the text message that I had received. Justin. I wanted to go. Or, I'm sorry, Justin. I wanted to tell you something that you probably don't know. Quite a while ago, you invited me and my family to go to church with you. We never went. In the meantime, sorry, I began going to church somewhere else. I know this sounds weird, but your invitation pushed me toward Christ. On Sunday, August 25th, I'm getting baptized. This message absolutely floored me. It came at the exact time I was writing about being the light and the darkness. We never know what the seeds that we sow will do or when the harvest will come. I witnessed a harvest through a text message. It was a sweet message, and it reaffirmed our calling to be the light of God. To not hold back from the Holy Spirit's nudgings, we are called to be obedient and follow through with God's commission of making disciples. All right, you guys still with me? I know we're chasing these rabbits. But it's all leading in the right way. All right, so Judges chapter 2, verse 15. We're going to eventually get to Deborah, I promise. Judges chapter 2, verse 15. 
Remember, we, we, we read this, but it, it kind of drives home the point. Whenever the Israelites went out, the Lord was against them and brought disaster on them, just as he had promised and sworn to them, so they suffered greatly. And it's during that time of Israel's disobedience that, as we mentioned before, that, the, that um, he was raising up these judges, right? And they were placed in the position to be the light of God, bringing order to an otherwise chaotic time. Just as those people were given judges to reinstate order, we have also been given a judge. That's Jesus Christ, right? So the Israelites did not know Jesus um, that we know in, in who we have access to throughout, the, throughout our days. And we're reminded that in Isaiah, we're reminded of this um, in Isaiah 54, verse 7. So Isaiah 54, 7 through 10, it says, I, I deserted you for a brief moment, but I will take you back with abundant compassion. In a surge of anger, I hid my face from you for a moment, but I will have compassion on you with everlasting love, says the Lord, your Redeemer. For this is like the days of Noah, when I swore that the water of Noah would never flood the earth again, so I have sworn that I will never be angry with you or rebuke you. Though the mountains move and the hills shake, my love will not be removed from you, and my covenant of peace will not be shaken. See, we have this covenant of peace because of Jesus, who is our Prince of Peace. And it's because of him that God's love will never be removed from us. And God will never again be angry with us or rebuke us as Christ's followers. That is that's so comforting to know that he has promises for us that he will never take back. He does not lie. He is compassionate and loving and his only desire is that his people would turn to him. That we repent of our sins in our wrongful ways and be obedient. So Deborah was one of these judges that the Lord had raised up to serve his people. Now it's believed that Deborah served as a judge for about 40 years. And during her time of, as serving as judge, um, Israel was oppressed by a king named uh, Jabin of Canaan. So this, this can be found in Judges chapter 4, and I'm kind of paraphrasing. So as I mentioned, Deborah, um, she was judging Israel, and her job was pretty much to settle disputes and try to keep order to the people. And so there was this man named Barak, that Deborah had called upon to round up his troops and deploy them to take, overtake Sisera. So this was a command from the Lord. And so when Deba, Deborah had given Sisera this order, 
I think, uh, or not, De- I'm sorry. When Deborah gave Barak this order to overtake Sisera, who was the, uh, the leader of Jabin's army, I think Barak got some cold feet. And he said, I will only go, but only if you go. I'm not going without you. And then Barak took his man card and he handed it in. Uh, but this, this made me think of a story of a friend of ours who had a bat in his house at one point. And as his bat was flying around his house, he literally shoved his wife and children out of the way so he could get out of the house. This is how I pictured Barack's bravery. Are you guys following me on this? Or maybe it was just that Deborah was such a fierce leader that he was afraid that he wouldn't succeed without her. So my mind goes to the ladies who have been called to work and lead in our schools. When God told them to go and serve in their occupation, they went. It can certainly be difficult at times for them. At times it is a thankless job, full of attacks from upset parents and and unruly children. But they choose to return daily and to have unconditional love for the children and families that they serve. But they... So... When they do this, they do exactly what Deborah said in chapter 4, verse 9 of Judges. She said, I will gladly go with you. That's the attitude that that the folks in our schools have most of the time, I would imagine. I imagine there's some times that they go begrudgingly, but that's our human nature, right? But Deborah warned Barak... That he wouldn't, so when Brock turned in his man card, I say that jokingly, but when he, when he, when he said, listen, I'm, I'm going, but I'm not going without you, she warned him that he would not be receiving the honor of conquering Sisera. Instead, a woman would receive the honor. Now, when I read that, my mind thought, okay, well, she's talking about herself, but not necessarily. Let's continue the story. So the troops headed out with Barak and Deborah leading the way. And the word got out to Sisera that Barak was heading up Mount Tabor, at which time Sisera had summoned all of his troops to follow him. Now, I'm guessing when, when Sisera got this word that Barak was heading out with his troops, that, that, that Sisera felt like this was like a, a, a civil uprising. Because... The Israelites were being oppressed at the time, right? And when people are being oppressed, the, the government or whoever is oppressing them, they don't want them to have rights. You know what I'm saying? So, they, I think they felt threatened. So Sisera summoned all of his troops, and they followed Barak and the troops. So when Barak was on... On this mountain, Deborah told him to go. This is the day the Lord has handed Sisera over to you. Hasn't the Lord gone before you? 
So Barak headed down the mountain with 10,000 men following him. So when I was reading this, I had this vision of troops heading down this, this mountain, almost like a scene from Braveheart. So there they are, they're yielding swords and, and shields, and they've raised these banners to show their allegiance. And so I'm letting you in on how my head works. So when I pictured this, it made me think of one of the many names that God's given throughout the Old Testament. And it, the name is Jehovah Nisi. Has anybody ever heard that name? So Jehovah Nisi, N-I-S-S-I, it means the Lord is my banner. So there they were heading off to war and they've got these banners that they're carrying with them. It made me think about how daily we should be hoisting and raising our own Christian banner proudly. As he is the one and only God that we should show our allegiance to. So take that nugget and hold on to it, okay? Because we're going to come back to it. So as the troops were coming down this, this mountain and Sisera's troops were coming at them, the Lord threw Sisera and his troops into a panic. And Sisera took off. I don't think he had a man card to start with. Sisera took off by foot as his troops went in for battle. And Barak's troops overtook Sisera's troops. So Sisera is running for his life, like the coward he was, and he ended up hiding in a tent owned by a lady named Jael. So Jael, was, she was from a family that was in good standing with King Javan, and um, really wasn't a, a, a threat to Sisera and vice versa. So Jael greeted Sisera and was hospitable towards him. She gave him a blanket, some milk, and a place to rest. It kind of sounds like kindergarten. So he had asked her to, to look for him. Um, as he was resting, he had asked her to look out for him in case anybody came looking for him. And so as Sisera was resting, now it gets pretty intense here, Jael took a tent peg and impaled it into his temple, driving it into the ground. So needless to say, Sisera died. So that day, as Deborah promised, Sisera was conquered by a woman, and her name was Jael. So it never says why Jael killed Sisera, and it really doesn't make sense. Because it seems that he was no threat to her, because her family was in good standing with him and the king. But my mind goes to this, is that maybe even though J.L. and her family were in good standing, that God gave her a vision of who Jabin and Sisera actually were, gave her a vision that they were evil people down to the core, that were harshly oppressing the people of Israel, and this people of Israel desperately needed to be liberated.
So that, that day, God subdued King Jabin in Canaan before the Israelites. And eventually, this caused the Israelites to destroy King Jabin and uh, be liberated. Right? Gave them freedom again. So I'm going to try to tie this all together for you teachers and school faculty. And so I, I encourage you all to prepare for battle. I encourage you to raise your Christian banner as you're coming down that mountainside. I encourage you to proudly reveal your allegiance to Jesus. I encourage you to be the leaders that God has prepared you to be. I encourage you to lead the way and share truth and love. So remember the five points. Be obedient and follow God's lead. Don't be afraid, for the Lord your God has prepared the way for you. Do the right thing. Keep your, your tent stakes handy. And impale the lies and negativity of those reputations of the troublemakers and slow kids. And love them. Love them and fill them with your, with your faithfulness and your love and your reassurance that they are fearfully and wonderfully made. Be the hero that God created you to be, just as Deborah was bold in leading the way. Be bold. Do the job he gave you to do. Don't try to be a hero, but be faithful. Listen to the Holy Spirit's nudgings. Ignore the lies and the distractions. You know those lies, I think we all have them. Like the lies that says, I, I can't handle this anymore. It's too much. This kid will never get it. So instead, stop, slow down, and remember the Lord gives you what you need exactly when you need it. And he will not overwhelm you. Thanks again for choosing this podcast from the Calling Community Church. We hope it leaves you encouraged. If you need more information about the church or need to talk to someone about prayer or faith in Jesus, please visit our website, thecallingcommunitychurch.com and fill out the contact form. We look forward to hearing from you and hope you have a blessed day.